Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into license immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord, Jude verses three and four. And oh no, who's back? Who's back, Abe? The Theology Nerds. Yes, sir. Coming at you from the Lone Star State of Texas. Bridge Radio is here, ready to give you another great episode. If you are new to the program, please subscribe. We're on all the major podcast platforms. That's iTunes, Google Play, Android, Windows, and I think we're on Stitcher Radio too. Mm. But not only that, Abe, right? We, yes. got, we got something else. We got something else for you. We, we got the Bridge app. So if you just want exclusive Bridge content, you go check that out. Go, yeah. to, the, go, go to the Bridge store. Not, that's not <laughs> up yet. That's yeah. not up yet. Go to the App Store. Type in Bridge Ministries. You'll see our logo, name, and slogan, which is Coffee and Good News, and hit that uh, uh, download button. You'll find Bridge Radio, uh, uh, Reform Confessions, Devotionals. You could use the Bible there. And also you could check out some series that we've done and also expository sermon series through New Testament uh, through books of the Bible, and we're building up that library. So anyway, how's it going, Abe? I, I'm doing well. I, it's been it's been great, man. In just the last couple of weeks, we've had some uh, great guests. We had uh, last week, our guest was uh, Dr. Gary Habermas. Ha- Habermas. And that you, was great. That was great. If you guys did not hear that that uh, podcast, you need to go hear that podcast. I yeah. mean, that guy is just... He's a mind. He's a mind. He's yeah. a mind. Our topic for today, uh, Abe... When you came back from the Gospel Coalition, you had chills, right? Oh, I had chills that were multiplying. They right? were. Did, did, did you did you lose control? <laughs> I lost control. No. You did. Yeah. So Abe came back with this thrill for orthodoxy, and, 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 he, and he comes he comes up to me, and I think you sent me a text message. And you're like, "Hey, you got to get this guy on the program. He just gave an ama- amazing lecture at yeah. the Gospel Coalition conference, and uh, and I." I Listen to it. It was called Thrill Thrill of Orthodoxy. Yeah. And uh, I gave it a listen, and, and Steve checked it out, and we were like, yeah, we yeah. got to get this guy out. Oh, yeah. So, yes, today we're going to be talking about orthodoxy. Uh, what is it? And why are Christians tempted to leave orthodoxy? So we're going to really dive into the discussion. It's going to yeah. be a 30,000-foot 30, 30, overview. We're not going to get into everything, but I, I, I do uh, want to point people out to that lecture, which we'll have in the podcast description. So, Our guest is the director for Bibles and References at Lifeway Christian Resources and a visiting professor at Wheaton College. He is the general editor of the Gospel Project and serves as a teaching pastor in Middle Tennessee. Thank you, Trevin Wax, for joining Bridge Radio. Glad to join you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, since you you are new to the program, please tell us a little bit about your testimony and, and also just a little bit about yourself. Yes, yeah, so um, I grew up uh, in Middle Tennessee um, in uh, uh, a, a very devout Christian family. Um, the, the first time I, I remember um, really he- hearing and understanding and wanting to respond to the gospel was when I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was baptized uh, when I was eight um, after that, and then later on in, in life, um, as the Lord um, worked worked on my heart during my teenage years and helped to um, instill in me the the sense 
that you know if if what I say I believe is true is really true, it's it's life changing. It, it's going to change my life forever. And about that time, also the Lord really opened my eyes and my heart to to mission work, and so uh, that took me to Romania, where um, I was a uh, I, I did mission work for five years. I was a student there, got married there. We had our first child when we were living there, oh, wow. and then um, wound up coming back to the United States. Um, after that, and um, did seminary, have worked in local churches, and um, and and now um, oversee the Bible and the reference uh, uh, department at Lifeway, um, and so that's kind of a roundabout way back to Middle Tennessee, where my roots are and where uh, the Lord has. Uh, has shaped me over the years. Yeah. Well, praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, Abe came back from the Gospel Coalition. He's like, hey, you got to look at this guy. His name's Trevid Wack. I went to his lecture and it was awesome. And he sent me the leak and I was like, we got to get this dude on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, and I was like, I sat in your breakout session and I was just like, yes, we need to get this on. And I just went up to him and I was like, hey, I introduced myself. And then I saw him again. I saw you again in the hallways, Trevin. I was like, hey, watch out for the email. We're going to, we're going to get you on. And I, I don't know what you were thinking. But uh, I think well, I was, I this guy's crazy. You <laughs> yeah, you know, these kind of workshop things, you know, you never know it, because people can sign up for various workshops. You just you kind of go and you prepare something, you pray over something, you work on something for a long time, and then you get there and you just hope someone shows up. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, that was just like I was just sitting there. I was just like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and, uh, and and just uh, before we get to the next question, Trevin, you know, uh, just a little bit ourselves. We are in a border town. Uh, God brought me down here from Chicago with my wife, and and teaching is really important to us down here, especially in the Hispanic community. Yeah. We battle a lot of just heresy down here with just uh, prosperity gospel, Catholicism. I mean, it's nutty down here where we're at. And Julio and I have made it our mission through these podcasts to yeah. get just good, solid teachers to teach truth. Yeah. So super excited to have you on. Can you define orthodoxy? Heterodoxy. Her- heterodoxy and heresy. Yeah, um, you know, the, those are, re- are really important terms. And um, I... I didn't use heterodoxy in my in my uh, talk at the Gospel Coalition. I just I use error yes, instead did, yeah. because I, I think I think and we can start there. There is there is theological error that is not heresy in the sense of it being uh, uh, damnable in the in the sense of it being um, uh, so it, it's there's a there's a kind of heresy that basically in, endangers the the soul and uh, the 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 tricky thing with errors is that. When, when taken far enough, they, they lead in that direction. So, you know, we should take truth and error very seriously just because we are, are people who value truth and uh, want to lift up and uphold the truth. So um, heterodoxy, I would say, would be a, a, a would be problematic and, and challenging uh, doctrines that are, um, are in error, but not necessarily um, uh, to, threatening to the point of, of heresy. Uh, when we talk about heresy, generally we're, we're speaking of uh, the kinds of beliefs and affirmations that, if made, are um, antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to uh, the Word of God, to the to the extent that it's it's the kind of false teaching 
that when you are are teaching or preaching heresy, you come under the condemnation of being the, the kind of false teachers that the um, that the the New Testament authors warn about. Um, and so um, it, it's it's a very serious thing to use that word heresy. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are some people that rush to use it too quickly, I think, um, and there are others that are afraid to ever use the word at all. Um, but the the New Testament authors, I don't I don't sense they rush to that word, but they. Uh, are, the, the New Testament authors do clearly delineate uh, truth from error and at times will say, you know, this is of the spirit of Antichrist. Hmm. Um, it's not, it's harder to get much more of saying that's a heresy than that, you know, yeah. <laughs> literally against the spirit of, 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 of Jesus. So, um, so I think, um, I, I think we reserve heresy for the, the absolute worst cases where we would say this is not Christianity at all. Um, orthodoxy, um, there are several ways that you can go about defining it. And I, in my talk at TGC, I had in mind um, the, 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 the broader reformational orthodoxy hmm. that would be associated with something like the, um, uh, you may have seen this, the Reforming Catholic Confession, that the, the Protestant Statement of Faith that came out with the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Um, it's, it's the it, it, it's the, the the broader reformational heritage and history that actually appeals to uh, Scripture as the supreme authority, but then also uh, has no fear or problem with appealing even to the church fathers in in those areas where uh, we believe we're actually in more more in line with the historic Christian faith than even the the current status, for example, of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, it is important for us to. To 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 make that distinction, that sort of broader reformational orthodoxy, because um, you know there there is an act, there is one wing of what we would say the the church is traditionally conceived, which is Eastern Orthodoxy, mm-hmm. capital O Orthodox, and they would say, well, we're we're Orthodox. Everyone else is, you know, is right. is. Uh, problematic. I'm not using the, the Orthodox sense, obviously, in the capital O or the Eastern sense. I'm using it in the, the smaller O, but what ref- refers to that that reformational heritage. Um, there is there is also, and sometimes it will be used this way, there is an orthodoxy that is often used in an ethical sense these days when we're talking about the, the, the churches that are Trinitarian, which would include Protestantism, Catholicism, and Orthodoxy, meaning they're Trinitarian Orthodox rather than cults like, um, you know, the, the Mormons or the yeah. Jehovah's Witnesses and others. Um, but in my talk, I was, in, I, w- I was leaning on that reformational uh, heritage of Orthodoxy. I think that's important. I think that actually has the um, the 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 best appeal to to both scripture and to uh, to history and to avoiding the the deviations of Catholicism over the years and so I'm I'm using it in that that um, traditional Protestant sense when I'm I'm speaking about orthodoxy. So you said, quote, the church faces her biggest challenge not when new errors start to win, but when old truths fail to wow. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think a lot of times we we think the church's biggest challenge is always coming from the outside. Yeah. Um, and and what I want to say with that statement is yes, we need to be we need to always be on guard and alert to errors that 
can take root in a church and can then begin to lead the church astray. Um, but the reason that errors take root oftentimes is because there's already an underlying apathy or openness to those errors that comes about from a what, what we might say is a, a, a sense of boredom with the truth, mm-hmm. um, a, a sense of um, over-familiarity perhaps, or a fatigue with um, our theological heritage to where something new and shiny can come along and can lead us astray because we we have this this um, this uh, um, temptation toward that kind of thing um, be, because we we've lost a sense of the wonder and awe at the glorious reality of the truths that we believe and that we proclaim, mm-hmm. and so the 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 reason that that statement starts off this talk on the thrill of orthodoxy is because I. I think it's important for us not just to be people who defend and uphold orthodoxy, but who are wowed by the grace of God shown to us in Jesus Christ and wowed by the glorious picture of Jesus that the New Testament paints for us, wowed by the preservation of of orthodoxy throughout the turbulent centuries that we can go back through and look at history, the, the the times when it looked like the church was teetering on the edge of just falling into right. the abyss. You look at the Trinitarian heresies and, and debates of the third and fourth centuries and others, and just I, there's something about our utter devotion and being captivated by Jesus Christ and by the truth of what he has done in the gospel that inoculates us to any attempt to reduce that in any way. And so when it's when those truths fail to wow that we are most susceptible, it's like our immune system goes yeah. down. And we are most susceptible to to those errors that, that might creep up. Um, a lot of people would say, well, the way that you avoid error is you talk about all the errors all the time and you just constantly point out errors. I would say that that's not the best way to keep people from error. I think that sometimes that that's appropriate. Uh, the best way to keep people from error is to have them know and love the truth to the extent that error would hold no sway over them when they encounter it, mm. no matter how attractive the guys may seem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think one of the, uh, one of the things that you said at your breakout session, you said that every generation must be or reawaken to the thrill of orthodoxy and every generation must discover and experience the shock, the surprise that comes from stumbling afresh of thrill of orthodoxy. Why do we need to see this in every generation? I know that you touched on it a little bit, but uh, I, I really like that quote that, uh, as I just quoted you, I'm sorry, um, that every ge- generation uh, experienced this just kind of like um, uh, just falling off of, of orthodoxy and who God is and all the things that come along with that. Can, can you just explain that a little bit with just sure. we see that in every generation? Sure. I, I think this, this to some extent, goes back to what we believe to, to be the case as evangelicals, um, as people who are, you know, people of the evangel of the gospel. The, the, there's the statement that's often attributed to different people. I mean, I've heard it attributed to everyone, to, from Billy Graham to Spurgeon to a gazillion people, but the, the idea that God has no grandchildren, meaning um, that, that conversion 
um, must happen to an individual, that we're not grafted into the Christian faith merely by our our heritage or our family or our pedigree, but that um, each person is called to Christ and must have uh, um, a heart transformation that comes about by the gospel. Um, I'm taking that and I'm, I'm that sentiment that God does a work in an individual's heart. Mm. And I'm applying that to, to every generation to say, well, the same is true generationally. Um, when, when we lose the thrill of orthodoxy, the fire of orthodoxy, because Christianity is such a, a, a true and vibrant and substantial thing, mm. The fumes may run for a while institutionally. Mm. Um, you may have a generation or two that continues to, you know, darken the doors of the church every now and then or, uh, you know, appear on holidays or keep some traditions or yeah. expect the church to be there for weddings and funerals and uh, as sort of the in the background of the mind. But once you get two and three generations removed from any actual conversion, um, any actual understanding of the gospel that is uh, um, coming from a from a, a vibrancy of heart and mind and faith um, y- you you see a, this deterioration um, take place in in movements that were once um, vibrant movements of the spirit so in speaking of like you know the I, I mentioned the reforming Catholic confession from the the 500th anniversary of the Reformation that confession is big enough to include Presbyterians and Methodists and Wesleyans and all kinds of people. Mm. And you think of Wesley and the and the revivalistic movement of his time. And and I'm I'm not Wesleyan in my in my theology, but that would fit under the small little Orthodox that I'm that I would um, uh, ascribe to. But you watch the the deterioration of that movement into what has now become some of the where you have the form of Christianity, but the spirit is is diminished is gone you see this in, in it's not a wesleyan thing it's also in some of the other mainline denominations including the ones that were calvinistic at at one time yeah. uh the the presbyterian church of the usa for example would be an yeah. example so yeah. what what you see is this deterioration that takes place as the generations lose sight of that initial thrill and fervor of of orthodoxy and so what i say every generation needs to discover this afresh I believe that that means God God does a work in every generation and we as God's people must seek to have that renewal that refreshment this is part of what it means to be part of you know broadly speaking evangelicalism which is at its best oh, yeah. is is a renewal movement a refreshing movement to where we come back to those truths again and again that's what we need in every generation. We can't rely on our grandparents' generation for yeah. that to be the case. We need that to happen in our own lives, in our own churches, in our own institutions. Yeah, amen, amen. And and so what are some ways that um, that we can see Christians drifting away from orthodoxy? What are, these, well, what are some of these temptations? You know, um, I, I I mentioned in the talk four four different ways, and I'm uh, hopefully I can remember them all off the top of my head now. But um, I th- different different ways that we might drift from orthodoxy um, would include, for example, one would be the idea that we can't really ever know what orthodoxy is in the first place. Mm. That you know, there's just so many and this is especially true in Protestantism. I mean, the 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 one thing that the Catholic Church thinks they have going for them is that they have a papacy and a magisterium yeah. that um, is going to keep them from being 
divided, but I've read enough Catholics, both modern and in, in previous generations, to know the Catholic Church is every bit as much divided as Protestantism. They just have this facade <laughs> of exterior yeah. that they're united. I mean, whenever I have a, a Catholic friend tell me, oh, you Protestants, you know, you've got 30,000 denominations, I want to say, well, you have the same, you just don't know it. Yes. You know, you, you know, it's papered over. You yeah. know? Um, and we just and saw that... that Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I say that with respect to, to Catholic friends. There's a lot in Catholic um, uh, social thought, and a lot of um, uh, there's there's some some treasures in some of the the ancient Catholic writers. Wow. But but I but I I say that with respect. But it's true. Mm-hmm. There is um, there is division that is on on the surface within Protestantism that you don't see in some of the other um, um, uh, groups and. Uh, but they so some radical i would say radical protestants or those who 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 um are postmodern in their thought process say well because there are these differences we should all just agree to disagree on virtually everything and we can't really know who's to say who's really or what's really orthodox or what's not the important thing is just we just love each other mm-hmm. and i don't see that sentiment in the new testament among the apostles at all yeah so that is a temptation to drift from Orthodox, you know, well, Christians have disagreed on speaking in tongues, or Christians have disagreed on baptism, and Christians have disagreed on the end times, so Christians can disagree on sexuality, and, you know, kind of throwing that in there, that that's just one of those minor, minor matters. Um, so that's, that is a, a temptation, I think, that we face. Um, that's one of the major temptations, but, um, you know, several others, but uh, anything you guys would say in response to that? Well, uh, how about we, uh, if we can just look at this generation and, and what do you see that is just happening now, especially in these times that we live? I mean, I, I feel that this country is just completely divided, divisive, like just everything that's going on. Uh, how do you look at this generation that we're in and, 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 and and how it uh, applies the orthodoxy and and or it doesn't in in, in in this day and age. Well, I I find some hope actually. I I mean I I think there's current concern here, but I think there's hope as well. I hmm. here, here's the here's the concern. A lot of even people in our churches, I think, young younger people, when we talk about this next generation coming up, um, and I'd include myself in that category. Although you know, I guess. In a few years, when I hit forty, I, I can't consider myself part of the young group anymore. But <laughs> um, you know, when, as I look at this generation, and I, so here, here here's the concern: the the default posture. There's the doubt that I just mentioned, which is sort of this infiltration of postmodern thinking that is just it's just rampant. Yeah. This idea that well, we can't really know what orthodoxy is. Yeah. Okay, um, there's there's that, and that's sort of the default mode among a lot of people. That's just sort of the air we breathe, right? So there's that. Then there's this this temptation to not really have patience for details in our doctrines. Yeah. Um, and to say that details don't really matter, that theology isn't that important. What's important is practice. And that's that sort of Americanized, pragmatic approach to theology that just sort of seeps into everything. And so if it doesn't seem to have immediate relevance to my day-to-day life, well, then it can't be that big of a deal, right? As long as, as long as I love people and I'm kind and you know go to church and do the right thing, the intricacies of Trinitarian theology, I mean, we can we can just that's not really that important. Okay. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. I think there's this dismissiveness when it comes to details and doctrines yeah. that's something of a default among our generation um, that has to be challenged. Now, where I find um, 
the 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 other one the other thing I would say is that um, another concern I would have is that you also have this this idea that progress is determined by moving away from what has been considered traditional. Mm. That you know, those who are progressive are on the vanguard of a new morality or a new innovation in theology and whatnot. And I, the, the understanding of progress, I think, is problematic. Those are the concerns for me, is that I think that's, that's the default for a lot of people in the church, younger people in the church. The, the signs of hope for me, though, are that what, once, once Christians— what, once they're, I find that a lot of younger Christians that sort of drift in that direction, when they get challenged by someone who is biblical, um, loves the truth, loves Jesus, it's obvious in their spirit, in their tone, in the way that their commitment to the text, um, the passion that they have for God and for loving neighbors, and when they get, when, when they challenge their, you know, young believers on those kinds of things, I find that a lot of times it's infectious. It's yeah. contagious. This sort of the, once the thrill of orthodoxy takes takes root in the the heart of a young Christian who's probably who's not just been been trained, there there develops this hunger for yeah. for for God's word and for study and for understanding and this this the thrill of the adventure of it all that really can take root. And I see that in the young generation as well. So concern is what the default is, but signs of hope is I don't think that the default determines the future for the next generation. I see lots of uh, of people who are alive to the truth and, mm-hmm. and want to see it spread far and wide. And, and Julio experienced that this morning uh, at the bookstore with uh, two college kids that came in looking for some mm-hmm. information. You want to talk about that? Yeah. And just going off of what, what Trevin was saying, uh, this morning we got uh, uh, two two college students come in first time they ever came into the store and for those who are new listeners and, and new to us Bridge Ministries is a nonprofit reformed Christian bookstore and coffee shop so we got a lot of new people in some people just think we're just a coffee shop and so anyway so they came in checking stuff out and they had questions one of them was on the King James only yeah uh, uh, they were oh, they yeah. had questions about the you know is King James onlyism true um, there was another uh, the the girl was had questions about what is denominations yes. like what is deno- like how can I actually know uh, which one is correct, and, yeah. and why are there even denominations? Where do they come from? And we had we had this really good one hour conversation with them on a lot, and they were just asking questions, me and Abe mm-hmm. questions, and we were answering, and we pointed them to books and resources, and they were like, "Wow, we have to come back here," and yeah. and they were just really thrilled. We even got on the conversation of Roman Catholicism, yeah, that exact topic sure. of uh, how they say they're unified, but really there's a lot of divisions among them. But no, Tre- uh, uh, Trevin, I, I would. 100% agree because we just experienced that this morning. This morning, you hit it they right were, in the head. They were just like, oh, really? And and so, I mean, you could, you could tell that well, some of the books that they were looking at mm-hmm. um, and had purchased, they were just really thrilled to get into it. And, you know, we pray that they come back and, and, and get involved here at the ministry. Yeah. And I'm almost surprised that there's books like this that are out there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> on their right, face. Right. So, I mean, yeah, wow. You you really did hit it on the head on that. Yeah. You? And, well, you know, this is part of the default in the culture. You talked about polarization taking place in our country. is very country's very divided. That's true. But when it comes to – we're fighting several battles here when it comes to theology mattering for, for young people. Uh, at, at the end of the day, you know, people talk about there being a biblical literacy problem in our churches, and yes. I would wholeheartedly say, yes, there is. 
there's also just a literacy problem yeah. in our culture. Yeah. So yes. it, 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 it's not just the fact that, well, people don't read their Bibles. It's just people don't read. Oh, so yeah. uh, uh, with the diminishment, I, I think I, I saw some numbers that were just staggering uh, uh, a couple of years ago about the, the percentage of high school and college graduates who never read a full book after college um, is, is, yeah. is simply staggering. So we have a, a sort of an anti-intellectual very emotion-based reasoning um, uh, mindset that would, it's almost incomprehensible to us in this age of media and tweeting and debates on TV and whatnot, that our politicians could have the sustained debate of something like the Lincoln Lincoln Douglas debates Mm. back at the um, 1860 election there, there's hardly any understanding of how that was even possible, much less how an audience would sit still for hours and listen and follow the line of reasoning. Wow. So we, we, we're, we're fighting this battle on multiple fronts. And what, but part of it's not just an aversion to theology, it's an aversion to thinking. Yeah. And I think that's part of what we have to also recapture and to offer back to our culture as something good and worthy of, of, of time and uh, of being embraced. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to the, you know, not only being biblically illiterate, but just illiterate in general, my, my cousin who recently got saved, I mean, you should see this man right now. He is on fire. He is reading J.C. Riles. He is probably, since he got saved, at least has read about seven to eight books. And this is a man who just got saved and came into um, orthodoxy. Finally, you know, was understanding what he believed, why he believed it, and he is just nonstop reading information. I mean, he literally has this thrill, just like Trevin is saying, of orthodoxy. Yeah. And he's like, I've never read so much in my life. <laughs> like, I've never read books ever. Just and in it, general. It, yes, yeah. just in general, until I got saved, until I encountered sound biblical doctrine, and I just fell in love with it. And you could talk yeah. you could talk with him for hours now, and it's just weird that, you know, a guy who I would who wasn't saved, who had, you know, interests in the world, now has completely different passions and loves. And again, it's just what Trevor's talking about. It's that thrill of orthodoxy. And when people encounter it, man, it it's it's amazing. I love, I love, um, I love that story because I think it 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 illustrates that when people come to know Christ, come to love God, they want to love God with their whole being, yes. which includes yes. minds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think that's vitally important. Uh, what I love about what that story that you just told is that this is someone who's on fire. Their heart has been captured and yes. is on fire for for the truth because they love the truth giver. Yeah. There is a there is a a um, and something I warn about in the in the in the talk. There is a a danger in um, what what can happen with with sometimes with um, in theological discourse to where there becomes a love of theology for theology's sake yes, yeah. rather than a love of theology because it points us to the God that we are to to worship and adore. Yes. Yes. That is certainly, there is a, Sinclair Ferguson has this line in the whole Christ book where, and I, I quote him in the talk where he, he basically says, there is a way that you can have orthodoxy in the structure and have lost the fire in the heart of it completely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Where so you good. could be completely theologically accurate with your I's dotted and your T's crossed and everything else, uh, where you have like the theological form, and he, he uses the illustration of a body, you know, um, systematic theology, you got your hands and your eyes and your head and your feet and everything's everything's together and where it needs to be, but it's dead. There's no no life there. 
Um, and, yeah. and at that moment, give me the person who is an illiterate lover of Jesus um, in, in, a, in, a, in a country where, you know, education is nil and where they, they have little more than just their own memorization of Scripture to go by. Yeah. Give me that person who loves God and is on fire for God than the person that has a library of 3,000 tomes but whose heart has grown cold. Mm, wow. um, yeah. There okay. is something to be said for theology at times, and, and, and you, this is where you got to have the thrill of orthodoxy, not just orthodoxy, because theology at times can mask lovelessness. Yeah. And um, theology can, can become a cover for a heart that is actually— um, uh, grown cold of the things mm-hmm. of God, even while on the outside in the form, it appears to be uh, um, uh, driven by this this pursuit of, of truth. Um, even the best of things can be turned around and yeah. can become uh, um, temptations toward self-righteousness. Yeah. And so I, I think that's, for us to keep the thrill of orthodoxy, we've got to have both orthodoxy, but we also have to have the thrill of knowing and loving God that that's got to be there for for it to to actually take root and, and to spread. Wow, yeah, wow. yeah. Well, man, that was that was so good. Uh, right now, we we have to uh, go ahead and land the, the plane. The, the plane yeah. Sadly, see, it's always with these discussions that we have. It's like there's not enough the time. time. Yeah. We we always do these interviews, and it's like, man, we got 45 minutes, and then we get super into it, and then and then it's like, okay, well. Well, well, that, well, this just gives us a reason to have Trevin back on yeah, a you, second time, bro. If you'll have us back, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I appreciate the invitation. Yeah. All right. So the last question we always ask our guests, since here at the ministry, the gospel is the center. We proclaim it, we explain it, and we have faith and confidence that that is the means by which God is going to call his elect and bring people into saving faith with Christ. So uh, for our listeners, uh, Trevin, could you please share the gospel? Yes, I, I would, with the the uh, writers of the New Testament, I think the, the best explanation and just laying out of the gospel announcement is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, is the Messiah who came and lived a perfect life in our place, died on the cross for our sins, was raised from the dead to launch God's new creation and is now installed as King and Lord of the world. And in response to that gospel, everyone on earth is called to repent, to turn from their sin, and to believe, to trust in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. I think that is the announcement we are called to share. Obviously, that announcement comes with, I like to say, within the bigger story of the Bible, of God as the creator, as, mm. you know, man and our fallen, our fallenness, our sin, um, uh, that Jesus Christ has come to, to bring redemption and that he promises uh, this new creation and that we're invited, we're called not only to Christ, but also to belong to his people, to be part of his church. Yeah. But that announcement, that central announcement of Jesus Christ crucified and raised is the is the very heart of the gospel, the very heart of the Bible. And that's the heart of orthodoxy. And all of us, at one time or another, who claim to be Christians, uh, believers, we have come to believe and love that message because it shows us the heart of the God who, who came to save us. Mm-hmm. Amen, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Trevin. Where can uh, our listeners find you? And especially just to let you know, or our, our audience know, I'm going to have his lecture at the Gospel Coalition in the podcast description so you can get more of this conversation there. But Trevin, where can they find you? And what books would uh, you, you recommend? Can find me at, 
at uh, trevinwax.com is where I, I have my, my, my blog and then uh, different books and things are just available at, you know, Lifeway, Amazon, CBD, wherever you get Christian books. Awesome. And we got to have you back so we can review one of your books. Yes. Uh, Cause, uh, well, thank you. I'd love that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have you back. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, if you would like to learn more about Bridge Ministries, please visit our website at bridgemenlaredo.org. That's bridgemenlaredo.org and click the About Us tab. We are a nonprofit Reformed Christian bookstore and coffee shop who is dedicated to discipling and equipping the saints for the work of ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. Though we are not a church, and I want to make that clear, We are indeed a uh, support to other churches and ministries, providing affordable new and used Bibles and gospel-centered Christian resources. Uh, We we, we are gospel outreach, not only to our local community, but out into the nations through this podcast. So we just want to ask our audience to please prayerfully consider supporting Bridge through a one-time or monthly gift. Uh, This allows us to continue not only this podcast, not only continue Bridge Radio, but also our Bible studies, conferences, lectures, and so much more that we plan on doing here uh, in our community, in our state, and, and honestly out into the nations. We're looking into a, a new facility, yeah. so please check that out. We're going to be dropping a video soon, and yeah, and, uh, yeah we're going to be letting some of this information roll out. So just be uh, uh, be praying for us, and uh, and yeah, please like, share, subscribe, and just thank you so much for for the support, guys. And it's and it's only because of you guys. I'll yeah. keep saying it. it's only because of you guys that we're able to do this, and and and, and we thank you that uh, you guys support us and that the Lord may continue to bless you in everything that you're doing for his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And as always, what's the question, Abe? What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Later. Later.